take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta get it done. No time for fun now. Take me back. This is our first podcast back from what was a long, great summer. It's been a great summer, and uh, I was in northern Michigan hanging out on Lake Charlevoix, just doing my thing, got a lot of writing done, had a couple movies that I had to finish, and there is no better place to go to do your work than northern Michigan, right off Lake Michigan, right in Charlevoix. It was amazing. I was up there and just got a ton of stuff done. Small town, little one street town. It's like a secret part of, I don't know, it's, it's, my, it's my favorite getaway. So I hung there for a little bit and then I got to spend some time. Then I went and did about five or six shows with Saget and we went on the road. And uh, me and Bob played Hampton Beach. We played Virginia. We played Boston. We played D.C. We played... Um, Baltimore, Georgetown area over in D.C. So we had a great run. So I got to do my stand-up, and I got to come back into the cave and finish a couple pieces. And uh, one is is that Bolivian drug movie that I got hired to write, which has been awesome because it's so out of my element. I've never written any drug cartel movie before. And I did the research because we had the real characters, uh, which, by the way, I got to, uh, Jordy, I sent, I sent you to New York to interview these guys. And they were- Scrappy Jordy in scra- the mix. Yo, you get Jordy, just put him on your team. He's a scrapper. I got in his car today. There was literally scrap metal in the car. <laughs> you, we got to clean the car. It was, uh, I sent Jordy to New York. He goes, he interviews these two guys, uh, Umberto and Ugo, and they're both, they were both falsely imprisoned in a Bolivian prison in La Paz, and I can't give you too many details about like the names of people that were involved because it's sort of a little dangerous, I think. Or the movies, you know, we're just we're just gearing up. So, but I wrote the script, and it was a world and a muscle that I'd never really exercised before because I've been doing comedy, 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 and now I wrote this cool ass move I'm really proud of it I dig it like I I dig it you haven't read the final draft yet but I gave it back to the producers they're loving it and I gave it to one other camp they love it and I gave it to participant the the company that did spotlight so we'll see what they say but long story short is in the cave in northern Michigan is a great place to work you wake up the lake is behind you. The small town is to your right. You walk down the street. My mom was there. My nephews were there. It was all love, all family. So I had my routine down. And it's so funny. I was at Hermosa Comedy Club the other day, and people are like, how do you write? Like, how do you just, how do you write? Like, I don't know why I'm imitating a a grown black woman. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. But they're like, how do you write? Like, what's your thing? Like, I'm trying to write. And it's like, it's literally just... You just have to write. There is no answer. There's no trick. There's no incense that are going to help. There is a little music that I like to listen to. I put Coltrane on, just simple, no lyrics, just amazing, you know, jazz. Uh, and I just, I just, you just got to sit your ass down at a table and see what comes and know where you're going because there's no, there's no answer, you know, there's no trick. Everyone's looking for a trick, a shortcut. Sit down, get out of bed. Get your coffee or whatever it is you do in the morning, go to the table, sit there, look at the computer or your pad of paper, and start writing. See what happens. It's really, uh, basically, that's the answer to life. Just move. Keep it moving. You got to keep it moving. Got to keep it moving, man. So, yeah, I've been gone all summer. I have not been on the microphone. I did record a podcast with Bob Saget while we were on the road. I recorded it in the car while driving from gig to gig so we had like a two-hour drive and bob was on one i asked him one question i think he talked for 40 straight minutes on the podcast um how's it working over there jordy are you seeing things things. are people watching watching. can they talk yeah they're talking 
Good, good. How's that working right there? Oh, we got the tripod set up. You know, this is, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're now multidimensional. We're, we're, we're adding components to the podcast as we move along. We've, we've just added Facebook Live. We just built ourselves a tripod by Jordy figuring out how to lean a, uh, lean a camera up against a uh, sidewall. And we're in business, man. So, yeah, there's there's a few a lot of things I need to catch you up to. Like we need to catch up and like get up to speed on some things. Um where are where where am I? What are the things? The stories that need to be told. The road was awesome because being with Sagan on the road is like you're guaranteed a crowd. You know what I mean? I haven't talked to actually I haven't even podcasted since I did the Beacon with Sebastian, have I? You have. We Oh, okay. We Shit. touched base on the beacon with Sebastian. That was um when you came back to Los Angeles for a brief period of time before you went back to the cave, you know, to do the drawings on the walls and right. what have you, yes. Right. Okay, so you already know. Yeah, you know I played the Beacon Theater eight shows with Sebastian, three thousand people every night sold out. So here's a great story. So um um in between the le- writing at the house in Michigan, I got to go visit Jesse and Sarah. You know, Jesse and Sarah are the best people in the world. Jesse Itzler is a good friend of mine. He created, he co-founded Marquee Jet. He is just an entrepreneurial, spirited, high-level, energetic dude. And his wife, Sarah, created Spanx. So they're doing pretty good for themselves. Not bad. And Jesse is like just, he's always just love. He's like, go take my house in Connecticut. He's got a place and it's on the lake. And I've been there many times alone, literally. I'm actually getting uncomfortable with how comfortable I am alone. (laughs) It's scaring me. I've spent four days straight, no problem, at his house by myself. But for Labor Day weekend, I was with his family. So his whole family's there, and uh, one of his boys, and I, we're all sitting there, and it's awesome. We're just, you know, there's a chef. There's, it's like high life shit. You know what I mean? I'm from Detroit. I don't, I'm not used to the high life like that. Like, the only time I had a masseuse was, you know, when my dad's friend owned a massage parlor on 8 Mile, and I had to pay an extra 80 for you know what. <laughs> it's a different life. So we're in Connecticut. We're, we're hanging out. There's masseuses there. We're a chef. It's high level everything. We're about to go boating. One of Jesse's boys comes to the house, one of his buddies that he does business with. And him and his wife and his kids come. They're going to come boating with us. So they come in. Everyone's chilling. And Jesse introduces us. Hey, buddy, hey, Eric, this is Mike Young. This is Eric and his wife. And da 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 da. And his buddy keeps going, man, you look so familiar. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe you just heard my voice, like my name from Jesse. Maybe you just know me from Jesse. He's like, no, you look, you look so familiar. And I'm like forgetting that I'm a freaking comedian. <laughs> that he could have possibly seen me do comedy no, somewhere. No, you just live in Jesse's house by yourself. You, you know what I mean? No contact with the outside world. Literally, I'm forgetting that I actually am a human out in the world. So I go... So um, I just say, I don't know, man. I'm a writer, director. Maybe you saw my movie. Maybe Jesse told you about the movie. And Jesse goes, Mike. You're a comedian. You just did a bunch of shows in in New York, whatever. And the dude literally goes, oh, my God. He goes, dude, me and my wife saw you open for Sebastian. We love you, bro. Like, we lo- we've been talking about you for a month. So that was like that was like one of those feelings where I was like, you know, that feels good. Because like, you don't know. You know, I don't get a lot of road compliments from strangers. But it <laughs> feels good when somebody... Says that. And for those uh, playing at home, um, that tap you heard was Mike patting himself on the back. Yeah. Did you hear that? Was it audible? <laughs> so that was a great moment. And then we hung out, and uh, and Jesse's buddy's kid is like, wants, I think he wants to be an actor, and he's a funny kid. And, he, of course, he memorized every one of Leo's lines from Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, wow. So if I wasn't going to put that on camera for this kid, what am I doing? So I recorded it, and I sent it to L, and I, he, I didn't hear it back. <laughs> I, I told the guy's dad, I said, yo, bro, he's busy till 2022, so you're probably not going to hear from him, but I think it's awesome that your kid loves him like that. How old is he? 15. Cool. 16 and he's good he was like banging you know, he's like knocking out the the monologue you know like the hardcore monologue that leo gives when he's standing in wolf of wall street when he's standing on the desk or whatever mm-hmm. talking to the whole crowd mm-hmm. yeah yeah and he's he, he went deep the kid got the whole thing so that was that was a great kickoff and it's so funny because sometimes you're just you get to be around i i just feel blessed to be around some of these 
like high level businessmen and businesswomen and people that like think way outside the box and right. like it just gets your brain going in another direction. And it's like you live in LA and you kind of get into a rut or a routine and it's like wake up, right? Go to the you know coffee shop, boom. Go to the sports bar, bang. Go to the comedy store, bah. You know what I mean? And you're in like a four quadrangle situation. <laughs> But it's good to get out of the box, man. And it's yeah. like you take a walk with Jesse and Sarah. You take a walk with them. You come back from the walk with three new business ideas. And, like, you're changing the game in your mind. Like, you're changing the game. Like, I talked to his boy, and he's like, hey, man, you should think about content like this. You should walk into Netflix, and you should tell Netflix, I don't need your money. This is what he's, this is what he's, this is how he's thinking. He probably owns Netflix, and I don't even know it. <laughs> like, I could have been talking to the, head, the owner. So he's like... Because he, he saw Single Mike. He watched the Single Mike sizzle, and he was like, this is hilarious. Cool. And he's like, why don't you just go to Netflix and say, I don't need your money. I just need your distribution platform. I'll raise the money. He's, right. This is what he's saying to me. And I'm like, wow, bro, let me write that down on an index card. And I wrote on an index card, dear Netflix, I don't need your money. <laughs> but I do need a place to let Single Mike live. True. So... That's 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 where that's at. So once again, I'm gonna revamp. Like, it's like I have people that like literally want to give me money. I'm just too, I'm not too dumb, but I'm like, what do I do with the money? Like, what do I do with it? What do we? Does it go into production? How much? Now I got to get a line producer to break down every single piece, because I don't want. I'm not just into the art of taking money. No, and that's how you get yourself in trouble. You know what I mean? No, I'm not interested in that. I want everyone to see where it's going. Like, here is where the money goes. So we need a proper budget. We need to have it properly. And we have one episode budgeted, but it's budgeted for a half hour. And now, after rethinking and kind of seeing where the world's going, I feel like Single Mike is like, maybe maybe we started off as like 10-minute episode, you know, 10-minute pieces, and we shoot six of them, yeah. something like that. You know what's funny is uh, I just started watching this show. It just started airing it's called high maintenance on hbo yeah i saw that so i you know two three episodes are already out um but if you go on demand you can see the 15 six minute shorts that they made that helped get it green lit and that is what i needed to hear jordy how did why did you how, you didn't were you waiting to tell me that I, you know we have to save it for the pod save it for the pod everybody so that show i mean I haven't seen enough of the episodes, and you know, I know it's in its infancy, but I really liked the short form of it. Yeah. So you know that that helped to get from its supreme infancy to now it's in its infancy on HBO, and we'll see what happens. I love that you said that. It it's you should you'll plow through those fifteen episodes in a night. It's yeah. Six, seven minutes. It's cool though. The whole concept of it is about a weed dealer who goes to all these different homes, these right. apartments in New York City, and he gets a glimpse at all these different people's lives. Yeah. Now, the half-hour version of what I've seen in the first two episodes is it's it's not... I thought it was going to be more focused on the main character because right. that's what all the shorts are. You're with no, the he, main character. He's the conduit to the other stories. In in the shorts, in the pilot, it's more like we leave him and we stay with some of the characters and such, and and which is fine. We'll see how it evolves, but just to let you know, that is a philosophy that's working currently, and I'm actually enjoying. I love that you're talking like that, and 100% within the next three days, we're going to figure this out because I could call Casey over there. I literally would call him and go, I don't even want your money. I want to know that if you love this, I'm going to go put six together and we're going to bring it to you and we'll, we'll cut a deal, yeah. some kind of deal. And I mean, it's even the type of thing that it could be on HBO Go, you know, it doesn't right. necessarily even have to be on HBO and kind of, you know, we can prove the battlegrounds. I mean, what you're saying about budgeting uh, and not wanting to take the people's money, it's correct. But, you know, it, no, but we become partners in it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need your upfront money. I'll go make these. We'll raise the money. We'll go make them. And then we'll be partners because you'll distribute and we'll see how much you're going to own right. on the back end. You know, it's so funny. Uh, there's. Are people talking? Like, do we need to check that at all? Like, do a. No, no, it's 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 failed. It's the connection failed. We were we had a good run though. We had a good run on. Did it fail? Yeah, it's 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 failed. The Facebook Live trying to reconnect. Fucking. But we we had a good run. Was it on at all? It was on for a while. Bummer. We had a good run though. 
It must be, yeah, it must have failed because I see my mom is calling right now. She's probably calling to say she was watching. <laughs> Want to talk to my mom for a second? Sure. Just Shall hold, we? It, were hold you about up to, to the mic. Were you about to say something? Yeah, we'll get back to it. Ma. Are you on live? No, I was, I was, but the connection failed because we're in the studio and it's not getting good reception. So I was live yeah, and it got... Yeah, I was going to say, it keeps... I can't understand. It says broadcast interrupted, broadcast interrupted, and it's like every other word I can understand, but everything else is, is uh, doesn't work. Yeah. Well, you're now you're on my podcast because we're podcasting and we failed live, so the podcast is still going on, but the video is not working. We got to figure out a better connection in here. Aha. Uh-huh. Say hi, ma. This is my mom, everybody. You guys have heard about Hello. my mom. How are you? <laughs> How's everything? How's everything at home, Ma? Everything was great. I worked today. It was much fun. You worked with uh, at the school, same school. Yep. So just to fill you guys in, my mom uh, was is, has been a teacher most of her life, and she loves teaching. And now she's at a school with awesome, hilarious little tyrants, and <laughs> she is. They love her at the school, right? I mean, they love you there, Ma, because yeah, no, you don't they take love me because they think I'm crazier than they are. Right, <laughs> but I've had a, it was a great day. Kids were fun. They learned a lot, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I love doing it. How I work with what is Stanley still there? The kid Stanley. Stanley is not in my class. Stanley is in another grade. He's in third grade now, and he's doing great. All right, good. Which is a good thing. Yeah. No, there's a bunch of little kids. There's one little boy. He's I think kindergarten. I just met him today. But he slept most of the day. He's the cutest little thing ever. <laughs> well, he's just exhausted because he's getting no sleep at home? Probably. Probably. I think he's the youngest kid with sleep apnea. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, all right, Ma, say hi to Jordy because he's here. Hi, Gail. Hi, Jordy. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Well, hopefully I'll be out there the end of October. Okay. I'm going to Phoenix and then... um. Hopefully, if Michael's around, I'll go out to LA. Yeah, ma, I'm de- yeah, I'm definitely around. I'm definitely around uh, Halloween. When are you going to Phoenix? Oh, perfect. When are you going to Phoenix? I'm coming out there. Um, I'll be in Phoenix the 20th to the 24th, and then I thought if you're going to be around, I would fly into into LA and hang out. Yeah, I think I am. I think I am here. Actually, I think I'm doing like a charity event on the 26th, and uh, yeah, you can oh. you can come. It'll be fun. Okay, then I'm, right. that's what I'm doing. Meanwhile, Ma, it's so funny. Last night I get a I get a text from Cameron at 10:30 my time, so 1:30 his time. He can't sleep. What was he doing? No, he couldn't sleep. My nephew, like, it was weird. You know, you don't get a call from your nephew at 1:30 Eastern time. I'm like, what? Everyone okay? But he was just he couldn't sleep, so he's like, what up? <laughs> yeah, he's funny. Thought maybe he wanted something because his birthday's coming up pretty soon. Oh, believe me, he's talking about the shoes now. He's like, because we can't get the Yeezys. He knows Pharrell has shoes coming out, and he knows I'm friends with Pharrell's partner on that radio show. So he's working that angle. <laughs> we'll see what happens. God. Um, all right, Ma, we love you. All right, I love you. I'll talk to you later. All right, honey. Bye bye. There she is. I was gonna, if she was gonna be in Phoenix, I'm gonna be in Phoenix on the 16th. We're doing. Uh, a live Rappaport show from Phoenix. Where? Stand Up Live? Stand Up Live, yeah. Th- that's my spot. That's where we're going. 16th. Wait, well, on the 16th? Yep, we'll be there. The guy that booked you, that's who books me. Are you talking to the booker yourself? No. no. Silvio. Yes. Yo, tell Silvio and tell Rappaport, I want to open for the show. I don't <laughs> even want any money. I just want to come open. You're going to come to Phoenix? I mean, that's my town. I've done 100 shows in Phoenix. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about it. I mean, we're... Uh, we're in uh, Phoenix on the 16th, and we're in Vegas at the Hard Rock on the 14th. Vegas Hard Rock on the 14th of October? Yep. I need to get in on this. <laughs> I-, I need to just be the opening MC. You, you've been gone for three months. People have been saying, where is Mike No, Young? no, I'm going to email Silvio and say, put me in the mix as the opener. I'll tell <laughs> Rappaport to love it. I mean, is there anybody opening, any kind of opening situation, or it just mm. goes right into like... From a from a group of like rambunctious people to Rappaport on a mic at a table. It's Rappaport and Moody. They're on stage, and uh, you know he starts it off with an ILO that introduces them, and uh, the away we go. The show is usually like ninety to one hundred and twenty minutes, and it's just you know them doing an episode, taking questions. I mean, I'm starting to get upset. 
<laughs> welcome, <sighs> welcome back to LA, Mike. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. Well, what I was going to say uh, about, you know, not to get too far off topic, when you were saying about, uh, you know, the show that we can do short versions of the show it actually made me think of an episode of i am rapport that i just listened to and i was trying to put my finger on it but then your mom called um it was actually a conversation between rapaport and juliette lewis mm-hmm. and uh they were talking about uh, when she worked on cape fear with scorsese and de niro yeah how uh you know and and jessica lang who was a, th- a theater actor and then uh nick nolte and she said that Something that was very different about that set, and obviously that film's very dramatic, and there's a lot Heavy. of tension and such. An unbelievable movie. Both Cape Fears, the original and the new one. Uh, you know, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. But what she was saying is that in film, you don't really get a chance to play in long scenes much, and that's something that stood out to her. Yeah, was that you know they would be shooting with two cameras, and they would be capturing. The reactions between, let's say, herself and De Niro. She told a great story about how De Niro improv the scene where he put her his finger in her mouth. Yeah, I know the scene. Right, and of that was that was not how it was written in the script. Uh, that was De Niro and Scorsese talked about it, and then they were and Scorsese was like, well, "We're going to try something," and that's that's what they tried. And she was just so caught off guard that it like really made the scene because she had like this innocence and that made me think about what you were saying in terms of like doing kind of short form type of episodes that we can kind of really let the scenarios play a little bit right because there's so much where it's like everything's so edited and like clean and sharp yeah let it play yeah let it play a little bit let it breathe with improv (laughs) life is not clean and sharp no doubt i'm trying to think of who the director was it Mike Nichols who like was the one of the first directors to like allow actors to talk over each other during a scene? We have talked about Nichols and that yeah in past episodes. Yeah, but like they're just like that's life. Like let life play out like on a stage. I mean, in, in terms of single Mike, I mean, it doesn't get more ready for improv. True to life. I'll stick my finger in everybody's mouth. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'll start. We'll, we'll audition people whose whose mouths. I don't know what I'm saying. It's so great that people are still enjoying the single mic. <sighs> it's like, and it's my fault for not like just putting a gun out to everybody and going, "Give me the fucking money, let's go make this show." Because literally, literally, anyone who I showed it to Mike Clemens the other day, who's whose wife's a big producer, Mike, he has that show Legends on Comedy Central. He writes me back, he's like, what is this? This is amazing. Congratulations. I'm like, congratulations? Uh, we shot it for no money and it's sitting on my computer. What do you mean congratulations? I don't know, but thank you. Now where do I go with it? Yeah, I mean, peop- you know, I need a fucking manager, man. Get one. I, I keep I keep meeting with man. I just don't even know, man. I, I don't know if, I, I think I'm unmanageable. People at home have watched the single mic link. We put it out. Uh, if not uh, the last episode, the episode before. The last episode that we recorded and released was the Jay Davis episode. The episode before that, we told people that we were going to be putting the single mic link out there, and we did, and the reaction was overwhelmingly positive. Right. It's just the type of show that doesn't exist and it's going to be our uh, it's going to be our R-rated Seinfeld. It is going to be that. We just have to figure out the team and we have the team basically but like the where's it going to live? And we could just keep we could do it like you said. Let's we could just do it with the way high uh high maintenance high maintenance did it. I love that concept and that's the move. So let's just fig- figure out what the budget is. You just need to write the scripts. I mean, I know you've been working on the second one. It's just a matter of if you want. And I'm pretty much done with the well, second script. I mean, so let's let's talk about it for a sec. So the second script, let's just say we were going to go with the model of, you know, six, seven-minute episodes. In that second episode that you've already written, how many realistically vignettes do you think could exist from that episode? Two? Three. What like, do you mean? Like you wrote? Oh, a full no, I, I'm no, I'm writing it as a ten minute piece. Okay. Okay. I'm already, yeah, I'm chopping it down. It was I was already at page twenty two. I'm gonna chop it into a ten, twelve, thirteen minute piece. What if you? I'm. What I'm asking is, what if you chopped it in half? Let's say with the first half 
be able to be an episode or in the second half? Or is it is the is the story arc is it is it right now like a first act, second act, third act? It's first act, second act, third act. The way I'm doing it, right. yeah, yeah. But I mean, I could go back and I could I could retool it and I could serialize it. You know what I mean? Or I can uh, let it breathe into the next episode. That's not even a problem. I could easily do that. The, you know, the thing is, I mean, honestly. And I'm basing it on all bunch. Go ahead. This the silliest thing, and the thing from when we first made the sizzle. That's going like two years ago, right? Yeah. You know, from from then until now, I, I bet you that let's just say we could we can get the whole series funded by like Trojan condoms and just <sighs> make it. Except you'd keep a condom in your pocket every episode 100 percent fact do we need one say maybe we need one salesperson in our team somebody that reaches out to stuff like that i don't do that <laughs> i've got wealthy friends that would give me money but i don't i think do the sales the, the bottom line is if you build it they will come if you yeah if you build the vessel People will be attracted towards it. I mean, you. So we have the sizzle. Have the sizzle, and every high level person that I that I respect in the like that I respect their sensitive sensibilities, it loves it. You know what I mean? Doug loves it. Kevin loves it. You know what I mean? Uh, my boy Cat, who was just on that sh- uh, Cameron Crow show, called me. He called me a week ago. He'd never seen it. <laughs> and he's Cat's like a cool, cool dude. He's, that's why his name's Cat. But Cat <laughs> was in that new The Roadie show that it got canceled. But oh, he was did a, it? I yeah, like that show. I know. Cat was one of the smooth dudes in the band. He called me. He goes, hey, man, what is this, man? This is incredible. I said, it's been out for a while. I made it a while ago. He goes, man, you found your Seinfeld, man. <laughs> I said, what should I do, Cat? Like, what do I do with this thing? He's like, you don't have to ask anybody for anything, man. Just go make another one. They'll, it'll come. They'll come to you. And he had the same attitude. You know, Cat's like, obviously, he is like the coolest, baddest singer, actor, talented director. But... That's just another dude I respect telling me, yo, keep making them. So we're going to keep making them. And I've already, and it's, and it's based on what's happening in life. And I, when I did the Beacon Theater, a new bit came to me. It's like, I haven't had like a great new bit in a while. Uh-huh. And I started talking about, and I've been talking about like my divorce friends. I got a lot of friends going through divorce and a lot of like friends that are going through breakups. And I am the go-to savior for them because right. I have a fun single mic life. But I'm but I try to say like, slow down you know what I mean like I'm not your savior like slow down (laughs) you don't even know how I live like you can't even live in my life right now believe me I said I said my life is like a fucking independent James Bond movie every week you know what I mean there's people trying to kill me you know Bond's on a yacht with a supermodel I got my cleaning lady's niece in a Honda Accord you know what I mean she's ready to stab me because her ex-boyfriend's circling us it's a tough like just don't think I'm you can hang with me so that I wrote I wrote a, a bit about I also I wrote a bit about how and then when they come out with me I said when my boys come out with me they don't even know how to act they're like in the club showing girls pictures of their kids soccer team right I said yo bro this girl's 26 you know what I mean break out the cocaine and tell a lie do you think she gives a shit about your kids <laughs> soccer championship I said that girl was on the team three years ago right you're showing her her own team put your phone away and relax so I opened single mic episode two with my married buddy Doug who needs a break and he's and that's the scene playing out excellent you know so it's like it's I already know when a bit works on stage in front of 3000 it's going to work in in short form in video so let's 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 set a goal right now as we speak I am not fucking around I promise you that by where are we right now Tuesday by next Wednesday by next Thursday, I will have episode two locked. Cool. Ready to go. Then we will start to seek funding for the episode. Which, Great. by the way, maybe I fund myself. Like, we, we already shot something that didn't cost anything. So maybe whatever the low cost is, I go fund it. But if if people want to get involved, you know, and own a piece, then we could talk real talk. But, like, uh, we are, it'll be done by next Thursday. You heard it here first. Single mic episode two will be written. And ready for production. Breaking news. It's not even breaking. Let's see. So I, uh, apparently we went on Facebook Live and the shit got cut off, which is a bummer because it's kind of a cool thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My buddy Mikey G. Can I put you in touch with... T- 
That's so funny. My boy Mikey, who's Stamos's security when he goes to New York, right. he's like the dude. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, Mikey. Yeah, bald dude. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Mikey, this is like the guy you want to watch out for you if you're in New York, and he also, you know, ex cop, New York NYPD, knows everybody in New York. Like I've literally gone down like to the like one oak in New York and I'm like walking down the little brick and it's like all cordoned off because you're not supposed to go past with Mikey and he's just like hey yo what up Timmy you know what I mean like excuse me and then we just roll past like this is the dude but he just hit me up and he he wants he's, he wants to put me in touch with a a dude a New York dude like I guess maybe like old school gangster dude who's got real stories he just oh, thinks yeah. he's like a super character that need to be told yeah oh I could tell you something interesting that happened in in my life, I told you about Daryl Strawberry. Break it down. So, you know, knowing, being here this long, I've made a lot of great relationships. I met a ton of people, high level, creatives, business, on all levels. Uh, I get hot, you know, so they get me, I write that gangster movie set in the 70s in, in New York about the garment district. I talked about that. It's called yeah. Sid. We've talked about it before. So the guy that actually hired me, uh, his name's Steve Lieberman. Steve's best friend is Daryl Strawberry. So one day... Straw. Straw. He's straw, and he's the man. He's a great guy. But he's obviously been through hell and back. So I get a phone call one day from Steve. He goes, man, Daryl, man, Daryl is out there preaching around the country, and people are coming out in droves to see him. He's healing people. You know, he's been through the depths of hell, and now he's all about, you know, helping people, doing interventions if they need it, preaching the word. He is in full recovery and helping others. Obviously, you guys probably know this because you saw him on the news every day with Dwight Gooden and the shit, the shit that went down with Dwight. Yeah. And it's not looking good. You know, Dwight Gooden, unfortunately, is in a, it's in a, he's in a rough place. And so... You know, all you could do is pray for a guy like that and hope he comes out okay, but it's out of everyone's yeah, hands. Addiction it's, is a motherfucker. It's a motherfucker. That shit is a motherfucker, man. So Daryl Strawberry wants says he wants to do a reality show. So Steve calls me, and he's like, yo, Daryl and his band of misfit preachers that he hangs with, they go around the country. This would be a great reality show. I said, you know what? This would be a fucking great reality show. So he introduces me to Daryl. I meet Daryl and his and his boys that he goes on the road with, and I come up with this concept for them. And we go to Buna Murray, the company that does Kardashians and all you know that shit. Right. And so we go to Buna Murray, and like it goes all the way up the chain of Buna Murray, and like we get to like the top person who's gonna make the decision, you know. And she's like, I just don't see it. I just don't know. It's like it's such a good. It's too good. Like, is there any? I said, let me tell you something. Young lady, older lady. I don't. I never. I only was on the phone with her because I was in Michigan talking the whole time. <laughs> but I said, if you can't see that Daryl Strawberry and his band of misfit preachers is a freaking hit show, then number one, you don't even know who Daryl Strawberry is. For sure, you don't have any idea. <laughs> Put on any highlight tape from the late '80s. Yeah. Why don't you just click on Strawberry Stats and fucking come come call me. Or go try to walk down the street in New York or L.A. with Daryl Strawberry and see how many people come up to him. Oh, it'd be Dude a is a legit star. And this lady's like, I just don't see it. It's just not right for us. And I was like, you know what? And I was pissed because it fucking put Daryl in a bad, in a weird spot. Like, he's not used to getting told. Like, he shouldn't be told no on a show like that, in my opinion. Like, I shouldn't even have put him, and I was in Michigan at the time, but I set him up to go in, because he was in L.A. for two days, but I couldn't get back to L.A., and I just sent him into Buna Murray to talk to the people, you know, him and his dude, and they went in there, and then, like, they called me, like, three days later, and they just couldn't figure it out, and I said, you know what, no wonder you don't get Daryl Strawberry's story as a reality show, because you do the Kardashians, I ain't here to shit on the Kardashians. I could give a fuck. Why not? I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, you get paid off of dumb, dumb, dumb shit. You get paid off of fucking putting the wackest content on television. You know what I mean? Of just three half-hot chicks with light mustaches <laughs> fucking getting paid crazy. And this is what fucking kids want to be? You do, I, I'm sorry I even came to you. You know what I mean? And she brought up the Kardashians like three times in the meeting because I was on the phone for the meeting on conference. 
And I, I just was thinking, oh, Daryl's probably sitting here. Number one, he's probably thinking, bitch, I fucked the mom in the 90s. Like, <laughs> like that's probably what he was thinking. Word. You know what I mean? And who, which probably isn't, he, we didn't talk about that. But I'm thinking, this is a Hall of Fame fucking high level baseball world player. Champion, world champion, Daryl Strawberry. Show some respect. Show some fucking respect, bitch. You know what I mean? Like, dude has been in the. In rehab, did time in prison, a full-blown addiction, has been dead twice, overcame everything, and now he is a full redemption story, and this fucking lady. So, bottom line is, they say they're going to pass on it, so I said, you know, and so I get a call from, like, UTA, big company out here, you know, big agency, and UTA calls, and like, we want to rep this project, we're going to go to everybody. And I called Daryl, I was like, yo, bro, if you're still down, we're going to take this thing out for real. And he goes, you know, Mike, I got to be real with you, man. He's like, I'm getting movie offers for the story of my life. I don't want to put myself out there like that. And if, the, if these people don't get it, then I'm not down with it. And so I just had to call my boy at UTA and I said, dude, unfortunately, you could come to me with an offer. Like if you come with straight offer, then we could talk. But we're not, Daryl's not going in a room and pitching his story with the, even the chance of saying no because he makes a great living as a preacher now and as a public speaker. And he's on the National Advisory Board for the White House for addiction. So he takes his shit really, really seriously. Damn. And he introduced me to his people. You know, his guy, John Lupo, who was, you know, who's a Wall Street guy, who's a hilarious character, who was like, you know, a, a degenerate bookman, a, a gambler, addict, you know, this, that, everything. He'd been through, made millions, lost millions, just a great character. And I just said, you know what, I'm not putting, I'm not putting these dudes, I'm not putting them in that position. You know what I mean? Look, I, I'm not putting them on it. Fuck honestly, that. I think it's probably the best thing that could have happened to anybody because right, let them go do their thing. I'll go do mine. But like you gave them, a t <sighs> you gave them the the taste of high level entertainment industry. And to be honest, reality television is just it's just the it's just the bottom of the barrel. I mean, there's a couple networks that do it well. In my opinion, E is not one of them. I think Bravo does it the best. You know, right. Andy Cohen and his whole, you know, housewife stuff. But the thing yeah. is that that even the thing about it and and, and guess what? Reality is not reality. I know. And that's what I told you, you know, we, when we did like the sizzle with that, you know, the girls in the house type of thing, like the Instagram models. And, you know, you, you told me about the strawberry thing. Like the thing about reality television is, yes, you can hit it big and be very, very successful. But until that point, it's like. 14 hour days right going through hundreds of hours of footage to try to piecemeal a story together and it's not i think it's there's bullshit. i think there's better uses of your time and energy time and energy your creativity and also same thing goes for strawberry i mean no doubt it worked out by the way and it, you're you're 100% right and it's working out exactly how it should work out and by the way now he's a friend and I'd rather have him as a friend than someone that I just drag through a bullshit thing like that. And I told him, I said, yo, let me know how your movie situation goes because I spoke to one of my boys about a story and those doors could open for him too because he's getting, you know, if, if his situation doesn't work out, I could walk him in somewhere else. And now I'm buddies with Daryl Strawberry, who's yeah. so cool. I feel like, you know... I, I, I feel like I look cool and I act cool and people <laughs> think I'm cool. But like, then you get with someone who's really just by nature fucking cool. Oh yeah. And you go, man, I like not. I'm not that cool. I'm not that cool. Single strawberry. Like I mean, he ain't single. He's I know, but back yeah. in the day, oh, back oh in my the God. day, you're talking about you know him and Dwight on that nine, you know that the 1985, 86, 87, 88. They were the kings of New York on that literally Mets team. the kings. Yeah. They were doing shit that you could that they could they didn't even write it into a show like vinyl. Like they don't, they didn't even get to what those guys did. That, those guys were out till <laughs> five in the morning, hookers, gangsters, restaurants. I mean, all that shit was going down. Yeah. And then they show up and they fucking win the championship. I know. And if they honestly, if they hadn't been so off the rails, they would have won it again in '88. It's just like 100. That's the sad shit. You see, true. you could you see with Gooden's pitching when he got hooked on the shit. 
it went down immediately. Yeah. His pitching went from superstar wow. phenom literally to a regular pitcher. Right. From drugs. I mean, it's, uh, man. It's okay. tough. I mean, it, the thing is that you just, you know, you want to do right by guys like that who especially who want to try to have some semblance of redemption and which Strawberry, I mean, he's been a positive figure. This is going on, you know, 20 years now since he retired after he was a Yankee and he's been really putting himself out there positively. Yeah. So, you know, to, to hear about his, his entire, his entire story that needed to be told, this wasn't obviously the avenue for this. And I think that there probably are better avenues. I mean, look, I, the the thirty for thirty the, yeah. the Dwight and Doc that got told I could call I could get Strawberry on the podcast should you know I thought my mom's audio was clear like I could call Strawberry and just get him on the mic like we could do it that way yeah you can you could for sure you I, know that's just the way it kind of goes I mean you know whoever's got a story that needs to be told and a and a song we to should be sung. we should we should start I mean I love this this medium because. We could just start calling. I could call Rappaport right now and see what he's doing. Should oh, we call? He's, well, he's about to do a serious show. Oh, his, he is? His fantasy football show. He does it, starts at three. He's having a great moment, man. He mm-hmm. is having a cool moment. Isn't this, by the way, give yourself props, Jordy. Thank give you. yourself props. Jordy produces po- uh, Rappaport's podcast. You guys know that already. But, like, that's that's that whole train has taken Rappaport into, a, like, off left. You know what I mean? Like, left of center. Because... Everybody already respects him for his acting game. Totally. Everybody. Nobody is ever like, nah, that guy's not like a great actor. Everybody fucking who knows anything about anything knows he is a dope actor. Of course, of course. You know? But it, now he's got a found a he found a channel through podcasting that's given him another batch of 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 uh of fans and fan base and an outlet for his creative head. Cause this motherfucker is creative. And he is not when he we have discussions, like we're working on something together right now, and the way he talks, only an artist talks like he, it it it's a different language. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, we gotta do this one chapter where there's maybe we're gonna have drawings. There'll be stick figures, and you know, like dot dot dot, bang bang bang. And then the guy comes over the side, and I'm and oddly enough, I'm following what he's saying, but it <laughs> kind of do, it it doesn't make sense to everybody. Yeah, he's it's great. He's so good in podcasting because he paints such a visual picture with his words. That's just it's phenomenal. Yeah, I, and he's it's, real. It's been fun to watch his ascension because it's people have gravitated towards him obviously in the sports world he's all over the place you know obviously his affiliations with uh professional basketball and the nba he's been all over the place nfl and he's been you know really into this fantasy football type of lifestyle and it's it's been great he's and the best part is he's having so much fun doing oh yeah and he, michael never at a loss for words rapaport <laughs> someone the other day called him a motor mouth and i was like yes yeah and that's how and by the way i've you know i know about his childhood and how many he was thrown out of like 17 schools before yeah, he was, was nine years old this ain't an act no it was like seven, you know what I mean? seven, seven elementary schools imagine that kid in your class like literally just can't sit still, can't <laughs> stop talking. You know what I mean? Like nobody can control what he's saying. He's just—it's fucking and funny such, as shit. Such a good guy. He is a good such dude. Such a good guy with such a strong work ethic. With, oh yeah, I, I love his ethic oh, because his, he try—he puts me to the test like with some stuff and then. And oh like, yeah, he'll he'll test you for sure. Yeah, for sure. And he's an early riser too, so you yeah, know, he's gonna bang on you in the early mornings. Which I'm not an early riser. Right. And we've been working on this little book situation. We've just been working on something together, and like we, it's we, it's a ping pong thing where he sends me something and I send it back, and I could tell the moments where he's testing to see how quick I can get it back, but. I don't rush it, I because you know I got to go over everything a hundred times to make sure it's smooth. But the good news is he called me, he called me a couple days ago, and he oh no we had lunch we were having lunch at Jones on Third, and he was like yo man I just got to tell you man he's like having you do this project with me is one of the best things I've done in my in a long time in my career. Oh wow, that's great. It just made me feel good. He means it. It just made me feel good. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, he's Once not- again, I grew up in fucking Southfield, Michigan. You know what I mean? I'm from the D. I'm out here doing my thing, and all the people that I looked up to and respected in the game are starting to like give me some love, and it's like that just feels good to me. Yeah, you know? and he doesn't throw throw on compliments for the sake of compliments. Like when he, they're very genuine, sincere. Like he's a very positive person. 
you know, don't get me wrong, it's it, it's just that he, when he's telling you something like that, he truly means it. It's there's there's no uh, slight percentage that's facetious. Totally. Which is another cool. good. Jordy's had like three good sentences today. Slight percentage that's facetious. That's <laughs> not easy to say, and that's very clear. And then keyboard karate is for all the <laughs> hater bitches out there who like hate on you and like they write and tweet at you and do mean shit. It's just keyboard karate. Now, I know you didn't make that up. But oh, I, I did. Did I, you? I made that up. Yeah. Well, fucking Jordy. I made it up and Rappaport used it on the podcast like three episodes ago. And well, then I'm going like, to do you a yeah. favor. I'm going to make, I'm going to pay for your t-shirts and you should sell <laughs> keyboard karate because that is a, <laughs> that's a great term, Have Jordy. You, I'm not kidding. I got to show you, uh, we've got a hard body karate t-shirt that we sell that's awesome probably our best one by the way can we call is silvio mad at me about the young american comedy thing absolutely not can we call him and just see if there's something i can get in on like to open and do like a tight 15 minutes does that make sense yeah i mean or am i just blowing smoke because that's my home club i well that's look you can come out absolutely i mean honestly the the rapport tour is in such its infancy that we're proving ourselves but I'm saying I'll help you. Like I could, that, that'll help you. Like that'll help. I would not be opposed to it at all. I mean, that's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. And then we're. I mean, and, Phoenix. I got. I got friends. I got. I think I have a girlfriend in Phoenix. <laughs> and then we're then we're <laughs> trying. Then we're trying to go to uh, uh, Monday Night Football. His uh, Jets Cardinals the next night in Glendale. Oh, how, I'll be the tour manager. <laughs> Come on out. You know I'm the, not kidding. You know the dates. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. I wanted to say something because, you know, I I was trying to get this in earlier and then your mom called and then we kind of circled back with like the work ethic and we'll totally keep going on the tour. We're, you know, we're three weeks out from it. We can make all types of things happen but what I wanted to say you know because you were saying that you've been away you've been gone for months in like the cave right and you're like and you were saying like you know Los Angeles like sometimes you get in kind of a rut you know I wanted to say because I've been mostly in Los Angeles yeah I've been the only times that I've been uh, outside of Los Angeles in the past three months were for work Uh, I there hasn't been I didn't take any vacation time this summer uh, it, the the three city world tour that we did for <laughs> for Rappaport, we did uh, Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and then we uh, went to New York. Uh, Michael hosted the IAB podcast Upfronts, which was like the all star game of podcasting in front oh, of yeah. like, all these advertisers and such. So you know, those were the only times that I've been out of Los Angeles. And what's funny is that I've realized because. You know, Los Angeles obviously is the type of place that you can kind of get lost in the calendar where it's like the days kind of blend together. Totally. And, you know, the the nights especially, they kind of blend together. But what's, what's funny is that, like, working so hard on that show has trained me to be a morning person uh-huh. more than ever. And I honestly, like, it's really extended my appreciation for Los Angeles because when you're when you're getting up earlier in Los Angeles, you become in tune with the business world on the East Coast. Of course. Type of thing. And then you realize how everybody on the East Coast wishes they lived in Los Angeles. So it's like you get that best of both worlds and you're done with like the business side of things at three like o'clock. two, three o'clock. Yeah. Right. And then the rest of your day you can do whatever you want. You can be as creative as you want, working on whatever it is that you want. Yeah. So you I just go to the beach. I just wanted to give you some some encouragement that like Los Angeles to me, especially in the course of the last, let's say three to six months, has been excellent for, for production for production and creativity and vibing. And I mean, what's funny about California in general is it's like just to show you how. Uh, productive it is. We went from, I, I heard a stat, uh, I, I want to say three days ago, I think we went from like a, like a $6 billion deficit to like an $11 billion surplus in like 18 months. Like that's The how, state of California? Yes, the state of California is- How? It's just because business is booming here. It, have 
I don't think you, you know, it's, I'll tell you what, when you're driving around in uh, in your friend's expensive convertible. Oh, that's a story. Yo, you have, just go take a drive around to cert, to areas that you think you know and go, and you're going to be like, where did that come from? What is that? Who built that there? There's oh. a building, like, there's literally a building over by uh, the gem center right now where we ball that, like, just popped up. Oh, it is beautiful. It's oh, like yeah. 40 stories of like stained glass and beauty. Yo, my friends that are in the nightclub business are coming here. They're opening Tao. They're opening the yeah. Dream. They're opening all these hotels from the East Coast. So they, you must be right because the vibe is is that California's got the money to spend and people have got money here to spend. And the nightlife and here is kind of whack. That's, isn't that ironic? The nightlife in LA doesn't touch New York. The no. nightlife here is fucking clown city. <laughs> like you would think, like it's a land of artists. Like, give, tell me where to go and listen to blues. Where can I go listen to like a dope acoustic artist at night? Where? Yo, you know, no one tells me anything. I'm at the comedy store watching some fucking degenerate try to get laid on the patio. <laughs> me. You're just. And it's me. <laughs> I'm you're, the one. You're, you know, it's so crazy, and I, I know because you haven't, I mean, unless you went back now that you're there, but Mr. Nice Guy is, like, the go-to spot for, like, all celebrity Oh, yeah, hangouts. Nice Guy. I know, but that was, like, remember when we, were, we were chilling there? Like, yeah. that was at the beginning of when that all started. Now, yeah. like, you hear any stories about, any, oh, picture taken of such and such is outside of Mr. Nice Guy. Sa- like, yo, Saget called me to meet him and John Mayer while I dropped names. Him and uh, him and Mayer were there two nights ago. They're like, "Come on, meet us at Nice Guy." And it was just late, and I was drinking tequila, and I was already in a good place, and so I, I didn't meet him. But yeah, Nice Guy, yeah, Nice Guy is the new spot. That's but, the hot spot. But guess what? In four months, there'll be another hot. But spot. But that's what I'm saying is that there's just not that many hot spots in Los Angeles. But you know what? It's so funny. What is a hot spot? I've been going to the hottest spots for 15 years in L.A. <laughs> Mr. Nice Guy's the, the size of this studio. And I'm saying, like, the hottest <laughs> spot is wherever you're at. Like, totally. What, what's the hot spot? Like, I, you know, I've been going, I've been rolling with an intense crew of animals. Like, <laughs> my boys, you know, Connolly, Leo, fucking, that's, you go out with them for 15 years, you live in the hot spot. Right. Even if the even if you're at the saddle ranch, all of a sudden there's like, where the fuck did these 19 supermodels that don't speak English come <laughs> from? Ranch. They don't belong around a bull. <laughs> uh, why are these girls? And they don't even drink beer. But the hot spot, you know, I don't know about the the term hot spot, but yeah, there are some hot quote unquote hot spots. And the nightlife here, it's so funny because it's controlled by these promoters. You know what I mean? So true. These guys. And they're like, listen, it's a business, so you got to respect them. And their job is to bring hot girls to a bar, and they get paid per girl or whatever their deal is. Right. And we all know dudes like that, but there's such political shit within it. (laughs) It's hilarious. Yeah, that'd be some single mic shit. 100%. With the opening scene where Doug and Mike are at the club, and Doug will lead into the politics of clubbing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because Doug will be like, let's grab a bottle. It's like, no, bro, that bottle right there is being paid for by the Sultan of Brunei's son, who's sitting right there with two girls that we're not allowed to talk to that are next to him, but the three girls that are separated by two dudes, we could talk to them. Right. Now, we can't get their phone numbers. But at the very end of the table, you'll see a girl who isn't that great looking. <laughs> that we can talk to without security throwing us out. You know, there are total club politics going on. I've seen girls get plucked out of booths. They're like, I hate that. I hate to say it, man, because girls, it's like you get played sometimes. Like some girls are cool with it because they know they get free drinks. What are you gonna say? I got the Jordy is like literally dying to. I got his the, hands are in the air. I got right now. the billboard. I see the billboard on Sunset Boulevard right now for single mic. Okay. Single mic, and then it's got it's got you, and it's got a bunch of other people that you know the the kind of like the club scene around. And it says it says single mic. <laughs> Welcome to adult high school. There you go. The, all this is is adult high school. That's a great. That's a great poster. We're gonna have that one on Sunset and La Cienega. The billboard right totally. there. Totally. Single Mike. Welcome to adult high school. That's all it Welcome is. Welcome to high school for adults. I think rolls off the tongue better. <laughs> high school for adults. It's high school for I, adults. But I mean, well, high school for adults kind of where you left back. Like peep, that. That sounds like some Billy Madison shit. That's true. <laughs>
Welcome to high school again, or whatever. The same rules apply. <laughs> it's all high school. Oh, Hollywood is all fucking high school. All, Who's the popular the, crew? <laughs> I got to go hang with the popular crew. And it's like, I think about me back in high school, like, maybe we were the popular crew, but we were, re- I was with like a rebellious pack. Yeah. Like, we were popular because we forced our way into whatever situation we wanted we mm-hmm. sneak into your fun party we go we sneak into that club we go because here we didn't we were a band of rebels yeah. as in high school for I li- sure i like to be the me and my core group of friends we we're the kind of guys who can go to any party we weren't like the top of the food chain but we were accepted and invited to all the circles so plus that- you ever been to the top of the food chain it's lonely <laughs> so yeah. and it's whack they're fucking whack and then they realize oh shit we can't even tell them that the joke's on us because we we're a whack we're whack at the top like the top like what people perceive as like the top cool party shit that shit is even more high school i don't don't even get me started the the whackness i've been to the whackness i've I've been to the highest level supposed high-end hollywood party in malibu on the beach you know what i mean like like at some stranger's house and you're just there and you're thinking and the house is beautiful and the food's great but then you're like the people you go (laughs) and i'm thinking like my boys are way cooler than the people whose party we're at like i actually am trying to not be friends with you but it's so, thank you. It's so funny because, like, you you know, you know the saying, like, you can't change a person. Well, that doesn't really. You don't really try to apply that in reverse. You only think about that going forward. You don't look at like if we go out to a club and we look at people who are already out there. You don't really think to yourself that guy was a nerd in high school. That guy was a jock in high school. That girl was emo. Like the type of thing. You know. Oh yeah. We're, we've we've evolved back, but honestly, you're locked it, into what you are. Oh, for sure. You are locked the 100%, fuck in. Hundred percent. And it's all now. Things are just kind of like scattered on the floor because of that anti-social media shit that we were talking about before we started. Right. Like, you know, it's all up for grabs. Everything is up for grabs. Yep, the nerds are rebelling on anti-social media. <laughs> They're coming out. They're fucking, people are hating. If you're a hater now, you were a hater in middle school. You know what I mean? You were a totally. hater. If you're a hater, you're a hater. That's <laughs> one thing I'd never be, is a hater. I and, and, it's, and I swear to God from my core, and I think it comes from my dad and my parents and my brother, just like... I've just never been a. Anytime any friend has done well with anything, I just always wish them well, like and great, because I just was either confident I'd be okay, or like maybe they would help me out if I needed it. Like whatever it was, jealousy was never a thing well, for me. This is what's so great about you know the expansion of distribution in content, is that. W- it used to be that we were all fighting over the same apple, and you get you get a little piece here. Some people get a bigger bite than others. People are sour that they didn't get a bite of yep. the apple. Now there's it's not just apples. There's all the different types of fruit that you can think of are available. And the thing about Los Angeles is that I'd say, I mean, seventy percent of the entertainment industry is either here or has headquarters that are based here yep. type of situation. So you can make your own destiny in Los Angeles if you just have some semblance of drive, personality, and, and talent. Goals. <laughs> and too. talent, yeah. Well, talent, you wouldn't be here if you didn't have talent. Right, right, right. There's no reason to be in Los Angeles without talent unless you just right. kind of want to be a, a a cog in the machine, and that's fine. Right. You, can, you can be a worker. You can you can make a, a very healthy living and raise a family. That's yeah. That's fantastic, but you don't- Well, I don't mean talent just as like singing, dancing. No, I don't no, just no. Mean talent. I mean, whatever your talent is, whatever your Absolutely. skill set is. If you come out just to be famous, get the fuck out of the way because you're just blocking the way. But if you have an if you have an asset that fits the cog, you know what I mean. That's gonna make the production dope. And if you're part of like content making and building, yeah, come on in the mix. I mean, it's the thing is that honestly, uh, the way that Los Angeles used to be kind of priced out ninety percent of the talent because I'm talking from a creator standpoint because you can't hire eighty people. To make a film or television show like they used to give them away like they were gift bags. Now you got to try to improvise. And thankfully, digital came around. And the single mic that we sh- we had a crew of what eight people, type of thing. Like it don't cost money to be funny. Nope. 
It does not cost money, and that's my whole, that's my theme, that's my lo- That's my slogan, that's my motto. It doesn't cost a lot to write funny shit, and that's the concept behind it all, you know? And that's that's why we're going to keep it moving. We're keeping it moving. But I'm glad, man. I'm, you know, it's good to be back in L.A. It really is. It takes me a few days to settle in. It's funny. I have my routine. Like, when I get back to L.A. day one after a two, three-month hiatus, Yeah. I have to chill. I come back. I unpack. I, I get my cleaning lady in the day before, so I come back to a clean place. Smart. You know, and I got to sip my tequila at night because I won't be able to go to sleep. And I go to goal, and I hang out with my boy. I go see my homies, and we hang out. And I go up and hit the comedy store, just get my feet under me, you know what I mean? Say hello to a few people, and then I slowly start to reacclimate to L.A. What What have people been saying to you that haven't seen you in two, three months? Yo, man, where the hell have you been? What's <laughs> up, bro? You shoot another movie? Like, where are you? What's going on? Like, people are like, where the fuck have you been? Like, I, Connolly came up to me at goal. He goes, Mike, where were you, bro? <laughs> Like he was dead serious. Like I, like I, like I was in jail, or like I moved and didn't want to tell anybody. <laughs> He's like, "Where were you?" I said, "Kev, I've been gone. Like I just was at the lake house. I didn't want to leave, Jordy. I was loving the lake so much and getting so much work done and just emailing my shit in. I really was damn close to like just buying a home in northern Michigan and going <laughs> old, just going Hemingway style, like." You start going, what do I even need to live? Like, what do I need? It's just such a great way of life, man. And I'm a minimalist anyway. Like, my mom gets upset because I throw shit out all the time. I give away shirts. I'm giving away, yeah, you've got a few shirts. Totally. But it's like, I'm just, I I like the concept of making a great living from just a piece of paper, a pen, a microphone, a stage like those are the only things you need as a comedian or performer that you know I just like that idea that you could actually make a great living with those things so obviously you wouldn't believe that because I'm driving around in a fucking Bentley convertible that's not mine <laughs> which is another hilarious story so I might as well just tell that story because I'm driving around nervously it's a story that needs to be told this is a single mic episode so my lease is coming up on the Honda Accord four-door. I'm wow. famous for my Honda Accord. I love my Honda Accord. I've done everything in the Accord. <laughs> you know what I mean? Literally. I've fled. I've you know, I've taken it all across the country. You know what I mean? It's got a big back seat. Everything's happened in the Honda Accord. So my lease is coming up, and I'm like panicking because I don't know what kind of car I'm going to get, and I kind of want to step it up a little bit, but yet my, my neurotic, you know, cheap ass is still thinking to myself, like, I don't even drive enough to spend a lot on a car. I don't want to spend a lot of money on a car, but I do want to step it up, so I'm going to take my time and think about it. So the days are coming. I, I extend my lease for like a week. I'm like, can I just get another week with the car because I don't have a new car? So yeah, I get almost a week. The the week is up. I return my car. I got no car. I got a broker looking for a car for me. And I pick out like this Lexus car that I don't even like. I'm so not a car guy that I didn't even know what the fuck I was ordering. I just looked at like five pictures and I was like, this looks good. And then they came back with the price and I was like, 400 is not that bad for a Lexus or whatever it was. And the broker's like, cool. We'll see you tomorrow. We're so excited. We'll bring the paperwork and we're bringing you your car. They bring me the fucking Lexus. It's like the smallest Lexus they have. <laughs> it looks like I could pick up the Lexus. It's a Matchbox Lexus. <laughs> Lexuses are for old women. This No, this looked like a young woman's car. <laughs> Literally a young woman's car. And I'm fucking pacing in my alley, and the girl's standing there with the paperwork and the pen, and the dude from Lexus, and they're ready to give me my car. And I'm just pacing back. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. I'm like, I just, I don't know what to say. I just, I didn't think that this is what the car was. She's like, well, we told you what the car is. Like, you looked at it. I said, I know, but like online and in like the pictures, it looks big, like a real car. And it's just so small. And and, and then the sales guy was like a fucking 19-year-old. He's like, bro, this is my car. I got the same exact car, bro. And then I'm thinking, well, that's now I definitely don't want this car because we got nothing in common. I'm a fucking <laughs> grown man. And... I just paced it so for 30 minutes. I'm fuck. I drive it three different times. I drive it around and I just said to the girl, yo, I'm so sorry. I can't take this car. I can't take it. She's like, you know what? I get, I understand. 
let's go to the Lexus dealer down the street. Let's look at a couple Lexuses because I do love Lexus. They make a beautiful car. They're fucking comfortable. I need a big car. I'm a yeah. big dude. I need space. I like to chill. I'm not a sports car guy. I don't like to bend way down when I get in a car. I don't care. So we go to Lexus. I pick out like the ES. Not the nicest Lexus you can get, but like the ES is dope, luxurious, great price. They can get it for me. So boom, I lock in on the ES. I think I got it locked. That night she calls me. I'm so sorry. We don't have your color. It won't be in for a week. So now I got no car for a week. In passing, I talked to my boy, my guy, Gary, who's financing Boarding House, and like our next movie. And he's like, he has a place in LA and he has two cars, but he lives in Michigan. So he's like, go take my car. I go, well, I don't know, man. Thank you so much. But I don't <laughs> like driving other people's cars. One time I took Gary Gilbert's Porsche and I banged it up. At, I, I crashed it at Bristol Farms <laughs> within 24 hours. I fucking forgot the parking brake and it fucking rolled into a, it rolled into a cement pillar. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not comfortable with your car. He's like, just take the car, man. Just take it. It's Just enjoy it. I said, man, I don't, I don't know, man. If I scratch your car, he's like, I'm not worried about it. Please go enjoy my car. So what do I do? I go to his place on Doheny. I pick up a car. It's a fucking black convertible Bentley. <laughs> Twin turbo, probably a $200,000 ride, and I Easy. am terrifyingly driving a Bentley. <laughs> so no one's seen it except one girl who I took down to Malibu with a convertible <laughs> with the top down. But I'm like... I'm, you never saw anybody driving slower, more scared. You know what I mean? <laughs> Telling people, as soon as I get out, like I got out, I, I did take it by goal yesterday, but I parked away from goal. But one of my boys saw me get out. And I was like, like right when I saw him, I was like, it's not mine. It's not my car. It is not my car. Because I just feel like an idiot. Like, it ain't my car. But I flipped my mentality around and I got the car for like the next four or five days. So I'm going to fucking enjoy this car. Hell yeah. It's because like driving shit, a house. This shit is driving a private jet. <laughs> I told George, I said, yo, the engine sounds so good. I don't put the radio on. It's just the nicest sounding engine you've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. the, the engine sounds better than fucking Led Zeppelin. Yeah, you're going to get in traffic on purpose. You know what I mean? I can't wait to be stuck in traffic. <laughs> I'm going to take it to to San Diego this weekend when I'm performing with Saget. Oh, nice. That's playing a good the, drive. Playing the Balboa Theater. I'm actually not going to take it to San Diego. You know, I, I'm going to return it before I go, and I'm going to actually think I'm going to take a train for fun. Oh, that Amtrak is dope. I've taken that. Isn't it dope? Yeah, it's cool. It's it, it's a straight shot. Straight shot, two and a half hours. You know what I mean? Yeah, less. I think it's probably a little Whatever less. Whatever it is, it's it's less, and there's no traffic. I could do work. I could do writing. I kind of like the idea. Yeah, it's easy. So anyway, that's my that's my uh, my my car story for now. I got no car except a Bentley. Which is really amazing. So if you see me in the streets, say what up. I'm driving a black Bentley convertible. <laughs> That's great. It's good to have friends, man. Well, welcome back to Los Angeles and welcome back to the podcast world at large. You got anything you want to plug? Um, what do I want to plug? I'll be playing the Balboa Theater this weekend with Saget. I'm going to plug that. I'm coming out to Pennsylvania um, to play another theater on October 20th, I believe, with Saget. Um, what do I want to plug? Just find me at Real Mike Young. Talk to me on Twitter if you want. Go find me on Facebook. This is stories that need to be told. It's great to be back. Next week, we're going to have Doug Allen, the creator of Entourage, on the show. We're going to talk about 20 years of friendship, 20 years of hard work, and how Doug almost left Los Angeles to go work in a hangar business with his brother. And then the next day, he got the call from HBO. So that is a cool story that wow. needs to be told. I was with Doug Allen in his car when he was told, we are not making this show. And Doug said to me in his Honda Accord at the time, fuck this shit, I'm moving to New York, I'm going to work with my brother and make a bunch of money in the hangar, in the hangar <laughs> business. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. But anyway, Mike Young, stories that need to be told. Jordy Winter, thanks for listening. We're out. <laughs>